Hey everybody, it's your old friend John DeLuna with another RFC minicast. I don't usually put RFC in front of that. I usually just say minicast, but I guess I'm in a branding mood. Brian Kilby will be happy that I just threw RFC in there. It's branding, people. Um, anyway, to the topic at hand, joining me this uh, this week, a new guest on the RFC minicast, but, uh, but an old friend. Uh, Jen, you may know her as Trickster out in the internet. Jen, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Hi, nice to be on here. Yes. Now, um, nice to talk to you again. Um, I my first botcon I think was 199. It was either 1999 or 2000. It's so mm-hmm. long ago I don't remember, and uh, and I'm um, I'm terrified of that fact that now there are years so far gone by that they're just kind of fuzzy and ghosts yeah. in my head. See, I just remember them by the location now. I'm okay. like the the Durham one or the the mini the St. Paul one or I think yeah. one of my first ones if not the first one was Fort Wayne okay um so chances are that's when we met one of those okay. years yeah that would have been yeah gosh I'm not good at uh assigning the numbers to them anymore see we just <laughs> we just piece together our past with like by random like benchmarks yeah, I remember that's the one where an ATM glitched the night before I headed over there, ate all of my convention budget. Oh, my God. Uh, that, was, that was not fun. Yeah, I went to take out the money I had saved up for it, and it thought it gave me the money, but it didn't actually give me the money. <laughs> and wow. it was like a Friday night. So I couldn't Man. I couldn't get through to the bank until Monday. So that was an adventure, ah. but... uh. But it it worked out well enough. Convention stories, let me tell you. Yeah, gosh. I'm sure we have a few. And uh, the point is, fellas and, and, and gals and everyone else, um, is that you and I first met, like, probably around 16 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 We so old. Yeah. Gosh. Um, man. Anyway, we're back here talking <laughs> on a podcast, which would have sounded like sorcery 16 years ago. I know a file that large, like how, how would you even transmit a file that large? Yeah. And people like listening to like radio recordings on their phone. Yeah. In between watching videos of like cats on trampolines. So crazy. It is. We would have it's, never it's guessed. It's the future. It is. We live in the future. Yes. And uh, anyway, I'm glad that you're on uh, because um, Jen, I need, I need both sides of the uh, of the gender and the sex coin that sounds dirty <laughs> to talk about uh, to talk about uh, a topic that I've really wanted to talk about for a long time, mm-hmm. and that really is uh, essentially sex and gender in Transformers, both the fiction and the fandom to some degree, to a great degree, because um, in those sixteen years since you and I have uh, been in the fandom or going to conventions and longer than that really for both of us. But certainly since like those early days at BotCon when it was a bunch of smelly boys, mostly <laughs> now it's a bunch of uh, smelly boys and girls yeah. all together holding hands. A lot has changed both in the fiction and the fandom. And I really want to talk to you about it and get, uh, get your perspective and share mine. So, uh, so are you ready to go? Yeah, I have, I have opinions. I love it. Uh, that's why you're here. So, um, 
you know, I thought that the, the discussion would probably be best if it was kind of it just kind of flowed organically. And one of the things that we talked about, um, we talked about while well, kind of talking about this uh, show was uh, the feeling of um, or the idea of when exactly did things start to change? Because I've been going to Bacon more or less consistently um, in the last decade or so. Uh, I know you've kind of gone in and out of Bacon itself, but you still uh, we still see the fandom. Uh, mm-hmm. Every day on the internet, and I definitely do feel like there was some kind of um, shift where Transformers has taken on a much more, um, a much better ratio of uh, men and women's issues, male and female issues, and uh, we'll get into this later. The 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 kind of firestorm sort of on the internet a few years back when gender was starting to be introduced um, with uh, with some uh, some deliberate uh, measures into the fiction and that didn't go over um, smoothly, but it did mm-hmm. happen. But you have an idea on, in uh, broadly speaking, in the fiction in the last 10 years or so, there was a specific piece of Transformers fiction where you feel uh, it brought in a lot more female fans. So why don't mm-hmm. we get into that? So what was that point for you that you think brought in that, that new wave of, of female fans and, and young girls into Transformers? Yeah, the the point where I really noticed that uh, BotCon had become uh, a lot more colorful, because for one thing, uh, something that uh, girls and women tend to engage in a lot more in fandoms is cosplay. And it was the point where I, I noticed that there were a lot more people walking around in, like, seeker wings and stuff, mm. uh, was was right about uh, the time animated, Transformers animated, became you know, a thing that existed. Uh, and what I have heard from people who were involved in in that is that uh, basically the Teen Titans fandom had a very large female following. Uh, younger women, uh, high school and college age women were, were really into the Teen Titans fandom. And when Derek Wyatt and a lot of other creators from Teen Titans went on to do Transformers Animated, they gave it a try, uh, not because they were really into Transformers to begin with, but because they were into that creative team. Uh, And that's why, I mean, a lot of that cosplay that I would see would be like uh, people dressed up as like a a human version of Swindle with like a mustard sort of uh, suit and a purple tie and uh, a lot of a lot of very creative stuff and the the first year that that was really really noticeable was uh the year again i i remember places and events a lot better than actual numbers for years but the year that uh, that weird owl was there uh, and we had the big animated panel with david k and weird owl and various other people from animated hmm uh, that makes sense. It's interesting that you say that um, that the fandoms uh, may have crossed over because of the creative team. Is, is that um, is that something that you think that uh, that the that female fandoms uh, follow closely, either more closely or just as closely as male fandoms? Because I've heard I've heard one thing from other female fans in other fandoms that mm-hmm. one of the differences between say, the male community and the female community, again, broadly speaking, and we're talking in broad strokes, but one thing that, that yeah. the female community tends to be a little bit more into versus the male communities is creating their own fiction, fanfic, 
uh, cosplay, just that kind of like um, creation, uh, creating your own content and your own things. Um, so do you think along those lines that maybe female fandoms pay a little bit closer attention to the creatives behind the fictions that they like? Yeah, I really think so. I think in the case of, uh, you know, artists, the the artistically inclined, uh, they're paying a lot of attention to the artists who are working on the stuff they care about, especially when they're those high school and college age people, uh, because they, you know, that's something, these are people who they're aspiring to emulate. These are people whose styles are influencing their own art uh for in the case of writers uh these are people who are influencing their own stuff uh and i think that that is very much because you know because the the female side of just any fan community's expressions is tends very much towards the the fan art and the fan fiction mm-hmm. and so you i think you have I mean, there there are certainly plenty of uh, men who write fan fiction. I mean, even in the Transformers fandom, sure. we've we've had uh, certain notable professionals who started in in the fan fiction side of things. Uh, but there there's a lot more of the girls getting together and sharing it with each other and seeing themselves as aspiring writers, aspiring professional artists. And and yeah, part of that is being influenced by other people. You know, I see a lot of, for instance, the Doctor Who fandom. They're talking about, uh, you know, they'll they'll complain about certain showrunners or certain writers on the show. Uh, so it, it's definitely something that goes into other fandoms too, where they pay a lot of attention to who's actually behind the fiction. And I think that. In general, and and this is very heavily generalized, but in general, uh, the women in the fandom, just any fandom, tend to be more focused on the fiction, and the guys tend to be more focused on the the collecting and the toys. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I agree with that. Um, And actually... You know, one thing that I, I, I want to talk about before we kind of leap into modern day, if uh, if animated was that uh, that kind of um, watershed moment, you know, where things kind of came together and shifted. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, we had, and by all means, like correct me if I'm wrong or or add to it. Prior to that, um, you really had two two female characters in the entirety largely speaking, of Transformers up till animated and what kind of followed after that, especially what followed after that, that, uh, that kind of rose to prominence. One, prominence, one RC, and two, Black Arachnia. So <laughs> they, lived in the, and they lived in a time where it was still heavily male-dominated um, fandoms. Um, they, they were kind of on an island, um, I'm not sure there was Air Razor in uh, in Beast Wars as well, but but Black Arachnia kind of had her own kind of thing. Certainly was on a, a, as far as like priority of characters was on a slightly different level than her. Um, yeah. Even though in recent times, like especially over the last ten years, RC's become something else. She's gotten a lot of interpretations along the way. Black Arachnia, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think in their time? RC and Black Arachnia did as far as um, 
adding flavor and variety and that 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 kind of female uh, flavor to the fiction, or were they just effectively drowned out uh, by everything else around them? I mean, what are your feelings on those two those two major characters from the past, so to speak? Mm-hmm. I mean, as as a kid. And, you know, I was like six, seven, eight years old uh, when G1 was going on. As a kid, I really, really liked RC. Uh, I think the thing about her was, and this is even more so contrasted uh, with with a character like Black Arachnia, who, you know, strictly speaking from a design standpoint, you know, we, we get complaints, oh, she's the pink one, but as a kid, that really made me feel like this was my character. You know, this was the character. It's like, I I know uh, some of my friends have mentioned things like, oh, I, I really like Wheeljack because of his accent, because, you know, I'm, I'm also from the Bronx. Uh, stuff like that. Something else with RC was that uh, until, I would say, probably the late 90s, uh, once I, I was really involved with the fandom... I didn't even really think of RC as a character to be sexualized. And then I would see, you know, people's fan art of her all like pinuppy. Be like, oh, oh, okay. That, that's a take on the character. Uh, so that, and, and we can contrast that to Black Arachnia. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, I have also been doing, uh, in addition to the news podcast I do, uh, we've also been doing one where we go through the original Beast Wars series episode by episode. Uh, So I don't have any real uh, fresh takes on her post-Beast Wars yet. We'll Mm -hmm. we'll be getting there. Mm -hmm. But I found that this time around, I found that I really appreciated her character a lot more this time around than I did even on my first viewing. Hmm. Uh, and I, I think a lot of that was because originally I was sort of distracted by her, her being, you know, her appearance being very sexualized. Uh, you know, there, there were maybe jokes, probably not really jokes about them taking the animators to a strip club uh, to, to get inspiration. So, uh, but you know, as, as I've, I've grown as a person, I, I found I was able to get past that a lot more and see that she was, she's a really amazing character. She's got, there's just depth and nuance to her that I, I was very impressed on a rewatch with just how good and nuanced of a character she was. Uh, and, and, you know, R.C., I liked her a lot. I liked her a lot, especially when I was a kid. And when her Generations toy came out, I was just thrilled to death. Uh, I was so excited to have that toy. Uh, but as, you know, as a as a writer, as, as writers like to say, uh, as a writer, I found that Black Arachnia's characterization was just really phenomenal. She was a very well-written character. Yeah, I think I think I, I mean I personally agree that that she's kind of stood the test of time and was somewhat uh, progressive in in some ways and certainly got her fair share of screen time. Like the um, the beauty of a small cast is that they didn't they didn't short her on uh, characterization, which was great to to see. Um, you know, with Black Arachnia, I think um, I don't know. I think that's a, I think that's a character that we don't 
even to this day see all the time in fiction. I mean, I, I think writers often fall into some other stereotypes of, of female characters and, um, and they luckily avoided that for most or all of Beast Wars. I think they, they kept her a strong character, wouldn't you agree? Definitely through Beast Wars, even through season three, when she's having to decide whether to have the Predacon programming removed from her spark, you know, when she's having to decide these risks that she's willing to take, it, it's always her decision to one degree or another, uh, even sometimes when she doesn't trust the Maximals to let her make the decision and she she suspects you know she's suspicious that they're going to force these decisions on her uh still you know it's it's very important to her to have you know as as we would say now her agency and i was just like i said i was blown away to go back and watch that again and really appreciate how good a character she was i mean all of beast wars very good character-driven show, but she was especially impressive. Do you think that, uh, do you think she's remembered with the, um, either the appropriate respect or just in the appropriate way? Do you think, I mean, it's been a while. This is like the 20th anniversary of Beast Wars actually this year. So uh, it's been a while. Do you think, do you think Black Arachne is remembered quote unquote correctly, or is she remembered enough for these kind of qualities that we're talking about? I do feel like a lot of what she's remembered for these days is having big, shiny, golden breasts. <laughs> and, you know, when, when, when you see art of her, that's generally what, what the focus is. Or even, you know, when she's brought up a lot of times, that's what the focus is. And that's, honestly, that's, that's kind of sad. And I think that may be why it took another watching for me to really remember and pick up on all that. Hmm. Uh, was because I think in, I think when you have, I mean, I know she didn't do a lot in uh, the Marigrid Scott comics uh, with Windblade, where she went to the planet with uh, most of, with basically all the Beast Wars characters who weren't otherwise being incorporated into other stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, she wasn't in that a lot, but I certainly think she was, she was pretty decent there. I think the uh, interpretation of her in Transformers Animated was certainly not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you know, her her backstory, of course, being significantly different, but I think that that she maintains some of some of the same qualities. I, I will say in Beast Wars, she did not hesitate to use her feminine wiles to uh, to to yank other characters into doing what she wanted. But I I'm not going to hold her against hold that against her uh, maybe when i was 19 i might have that against her but you know as as an adult i'm not going to hold that against her the thing in beast wars what it was i mean for one thing it was pretty much always against characters who had it coming mm. it was always i mean with tarantulas he was the one who basically made her that way mm-hmm. so her using that against him is entirely fair play mm. Uh, so, so yeah, I would say that in in general, it was in in used in circumstances where I would say that's perfectly fair. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't overdo it. It was usually when that was truly her best option because I mean, she wasn't a large character. I mean, Tarantulas wasn't even that large either. But he was. He also was not 
a character who tended to solve things by punching, like some, you know, some others. Uh, so as a character who is not always going to be great at solving things by punching, that's, I think that's definitely a fair enough tactic to use. Interesting. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't even, uh, I don't even have a good appreciation for all, you describing this makes me want to go back and watch Beast Wars specifically to study the things that just like you were lost on me at that age. I definitely recommend for for the 20, 20th anniversary, everybody go through, hang in there through the first season because the first season can get kind of rocky. Mm-hmm. But I, I recommend everybody go and, and give that another watch. So you, uh, so you mentioned uh, IDW a little bit, so we might as well kind of jump into into modern age. I'll ask you just kind of a general question. Uh, you keep up with, you keep up more or less with IDW or to a greater degree than me. I, I keep up as much as, uh, as much as possible. So I, I do keep up is the short answer to that. Just broadly speaking in the age of IDW fiction, I mean, where do you grade out their treatment of female characters? I think it's pretty much unanimous at this point that RC's introduction was pretty problematic. Uh, you know, I I've always liked Simon Furman both as as a writer and as a person. You know, I've hung out with him at a lot of bot cons, uh, and you know, it's, he's he's someone who I've I've spent a lot of time talking to. Uh, so I I don't think it's something that he intended. Mm-hmm. I think it's just one of those things where if you're not exposed to a certain community enough, and I think. I think a lot of I'll, I'll go off on a, a very short side tangent, but related here mm-hmm. uh, that I think you know people talk about people being too offended now, and I think it's not so much that people are any more offended; it's just that people who have always been offended are now able to make that known. So I think it's a lot easier now for writers who want to write respectful of diversity uh, or who want to write diverse characters of their own, they have a lot more access to read those people talking about their own experiences. Uh, It's a lot easier to find those resources and be a lot more respectful now. So I think that, you know, he, I'm not going to say as an older writer, but as someone who has been writing for a very long time, I certainly don't think that he meant any harm. I think he just, I don't want to say didn't know better, but but yeah, I think he basically didn't realize that that was a problem. Uh, and being, you know, someone who's very entrenched in in writing already, uh, just maybe didn't think to to look and see if maybe it would be a problem. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot more resources out there now, and like you say, there's a lot more forums for. Uh... For people, you can you can learn a lot in very little time uh, mm-hmm. these days. That it, it it is interesting to to think that at that time it, that wasn't that long ago. But even comparing, you know, a few years ago, um, when it comes to the kind of the collaboration with readers and authors and the instant feedback, a few years ago, it's evolved so much um, in so little time. It, it's probably understandable, like you say, that um, that something like that, the the just the the feedback, the immediate like reaction, is so much louder and faster 
than anything someone like Simon Furman had probably ever experienced in his career. And, right. uh, and of course, it was going to happen with something like this, which uh, it's impossible it's impossible to not get feedback on uh, feedback one way or another. It's impossible to to do what they did and and not get a massive um, reaction. And yeah. so, so how do you think they? I mean, how would you say? Just kind of going into this, like that was uh, it was a rough time. I don't know if it was a time of. I would like to think it was a time of learning and growth for the people who were willing to learn and grow and listen. Yeah. Um, and then for other people, you know, that, that kind of is what it is. Um, <laughs> some people will just don't want to listen and don't want to learn. And that's life. But, um, right. but I, I feel, I feel like, I feel like some good came out of, of that firestorm. I, I mean, I mean, what do you feel are, uh, are, do you think that we're, we're, we're in a better place as a fandom? And I think for for one thing, for the creators, it was definitely a a learning experience and sort of an an educational moment. Uh, I think the fandom at this point is so vast and there's so much for different people to be fans of. Uh, You have communities on Tumblr that are like entirely, you know, uh, poly, asexual non-binary you know mm-hmm. who who are very heavily i guess heavily invested in being concerned about representation mm-hmm. uh, so you have groups like that but then at this who who are primarily reading the idw comics um in some cases, maybe they didn't even care about Transformers before they they learned that More Than Meets the Eye was really good. Uh, and on the other side, you have people on certain message boards. Uh, you have people on some message boards. And I think that even saying that they're on message boards says something about where they are as fans. Because people don't really do message boards anymore. It's, I think that communities as a whole, I mean, I was, I was thinking at one point about setting up a message board uh, for the, the website that we used uh, as a, as a host and a base for our, our own podcasts. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that's, you know, it's kind of like saying, Hey, I'm going to set up a MySpace account for this. <laughs> Right. Uh, though, though in this case, at least the people who are on message boards, those message boards are still active with those people. Mm-hmm. People who are new to the fandom do not go to message boards for the most part. So you have these these people who, you know, and they're mostly straight white guys. Uh, so they are going to have the more conservative viewpoint. Uh, a lot of times they, and, and of course not all men, uh, but... <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but they're going to have more of that that viewpoint that well gender shouldn't matter, it should be fine if everything's men, which is <laughs> saying that yes, it does matter. Obviously you care about gender because you want everything to be men. Uh so you you got a lot more of the backlash uh but, but to be fair at this point I feel like a lot of that side of the community doesn't even necessarily read 
the current comics. These are people who who would dismiss and criticize more than meets the eye as not having enough punching. So, and, and, you know, being too much about feelings. Uh, so, and, and those people have their, uh, their own market of things, which sure. at this point is honestly, mostly, I think third party toys. <laughs> <laughs> these, these are the people who want their, their toys to, uh, to be able to kill small children. Yes. They want their uh, broad shoulders and abs, and their uh, yeah. Somehow they're robots with five percent body fat. If that even makes sense, yes, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which man? That's another podcast. Wow. Down yeah. the road, yes the um, the body image podcast. That's that won't be clickbait. Yeah. I assure you, we'll actually <laughs> talk about that, whether you like it or not. But uh, the um, audience. I'm not talking to you, tricks. I'm talking to the audience. Anyway, so. Um, Going back to the the RC event, but but quickly like using it as a launching pad. Do you think after going through all that 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 out of the ashes of that um, what we got was what we have today, which is Victorian Windblade, uh, a, a much more kind of uh, a vocal, official, and sometimes semi-official kind of acknowledgement that that the female uh, fandom and, and representation of a, of a female identity within the fiction is, is important to them. I mean, do you think, do you think the, the firestorm of RC helped create the current environment in 2016? I think it definitely, I mean, like I said, I think it definitely made the creators aware that this was stuff that they were going to need to be a little more aware of. Uh, it it showed them that this was a uh, something that at least a lot of the fans, if you know, there there were still those vocal minorities, but it was something that a lot of fans were genuinely interested in and concerned about. Uh, so I think that that. I think it ultimately was a good thing because that led the editors to then go and, you know, focus more on hiring people like, again, James Roberts, uh, who uh, was the, the one I was alluding to previously mm-hmm. as the fanfic writer who, who went pro. Uh, people like him who were willing to get out of those those sort of social safe spaces and do their research into diverse characters, uh, you know, writing characters who were not, for instance, neurotypical, uh, you know, characters who read as autistic mm-hmm. uh, and, and various other mental issues. Uh, because I, I like that I feel that Rung is really the most important member of that crew mm-hmm. because they they need a therapist. Uh, but but yeah, I think that ultimately that was a moment that told everybody that they needed to be paying a little more attention to these things. And so I think that ultimately what came out of it was getting a lot of much better representation. Hmm. I... Uh... I agree. I, I, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes a, a, a big bang has to happen before uh, before real change occurs. And uh, I, I guess there's probably no more fitting uh, character than RC of all the 
of all the of all the female transformers in the land, why not start with the the first one, so to speak, yeah. the first big one in our history. Yes. Um, the one thing the one thing I do want to talk about before we uh, before we wrap and uh, and there may be a sequel depending on the uh, listener feedback to this podcast for sure. But um, sure, I'm open for reader questions or listener questions because they're not reading this. So am I. Uh, <laughs> if they're if they're reading this, Brian has installed some kind of new software or uh they're they're sending their request for transcripts to brian's house yeah and, uh if he's filling those out like 2020 transcripts from the 80s um <laughs> he would if there's if there's anybody in the land who would actually send you a transcript of a podcast printed on an inkjet it's brian kilby so you might as well like tweet him and yeah. ask him and see if he'll do it anyway the one thing <laughs> i the one thing i wanted to talk about before we go for uh for this episode is um is the physical fandom uh, namely, namely BotCon, um, or the official convention uh, by any name uh, uh, through the years. Uh, you know, like you say, since animated, certainly, and especially now in the age of IDW, a lot of female fans come out to conventions. And overall, um, across the um, the sci-fi and... Uh, and related conventions, especially where there's cosplay in the last five years or so, or so, we've of course had that big kind of sweeping cosplay is not consent, and unfortunately having to teach people about common decency with humans. And um, we've had we've had some watershed moments as far as like being in the same physical space. Um, right. What is your what is your feeling on how? Um, how Hasbro and how its convention licensee um, <laughs> has has treated that or fostered or not fostered uh, female fans in that kind of official convention environment. Gosh, well, I mean, I this is where I take my salt pilgrimage, as my roommate likes to say, mm. talking about getting salty. <gasps> I, I have to say that I've I was never really a fan of of Fun Pub. And part of the stuff, see, the thing is, I, I am, I'm strangely adept at judge, at judging character. And I could tell from the very first communications that we got from fun pub, I was like, these guys are the man (laughs) and an entire teenage years, you know, all my teenage years of listening to punk songs have told me that, that I cannot trust this person mm. because he is the man. And uh, and really everything, I think that a lot of the stuff that happened really actually played that out. You know, this was someone who was very close-minded. He had a very strong idea of what things should be, and he never liked to admit to being wrong. Uh, and also, I mean, it, it kind of helps – or, or doesn't help. It definitely, I'm sure, colors my opinion a little bit. Uh, that prior to Fun Pub, uh, during the 3H days, uh, I, for a few years, especially the, the OTFCC years, I was kind of 3H's diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I feel like that, you know, had that been going on today, I could have gone to Glenn Hallett and said, hey, look, we are getting all these cosplayers. Also, there's a lot of talk 
online and in fan communities about conventions implementing a harassment policy. These are things that I feel we should do. And he would say, well, here's a room to do a cosplay pageant uh, like anime conventions do and draft me up a harassment policy and we'll publish it. Uh, so, you know, he he was always when I would present something as being something that the female segment of the fandom cared about, you know, he he would always listen to that. And there were never things back then as big as what we see now. So there's not really a thing I can point to, I guess, aside from the fact that I, I was in charge of the art room a lot, uh, which, you know, fan art even then was was a very... Now and then, uh, I would say it was almost like a 50-50 participation in uh, between the men and women fans, if not even more skewed towards women. Uh, so I think a lot of Fun Pub's problem with that sort of that sort of thing was that basically they didn't have any diversity in their fan panel or whatever they ended up calling mm-hmm. the group of fans who they consulted with about this because Brian Savage knew nothing about Transformers. They didn't really have a woman there who could go to them and say, you know, we need to do more stuff with all these cosplayers to acknowledge them and make them more of a part of the show. We need to, to have these concerns, uh, and uh, we mentioned on on the Icon Underground Radio news podcasts that we did around when BotCon ended. Uh, there was a a friend, I think, I believe, a mutual friend, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to drop names here, but I I think you've probably read the story on Facebook mm-hmm. about uh, a friend of ours who basically, in the same year, I had also bought. There was that I I'm. I'm not going to say it or you'd have to bleep me, but I called it the FU package. Uh, that was the the pre-registrant package without toys, <laughs> which Excellent. was basically came down to paying $100 to be there on Friday. Ah, yes. And I did that one year, never again. Uh, she also happened to do it the same year, and it was also the first year she was doing it. I had heard ahead of time that those attendees were not going to be allowed into like the dinner casino event. So I like took off for the nice little shopping center. If you've ever been to the BotCon that's in Pasadena, there was a very nice little open air mall sort of thing across the street. I just went, did some other hanging out. So I was not there for this, uh, but I, I was there afterwards. Uh, she was not aware ahead of time that she would not be allowed into this. When she expressed this concern to Brian Savage, he, him personally, not just to some other person there, but to him personally, he didn't seem to be able to comprehend the idea that she was not there with, like, a boyfriend. Wow. I do remember this. Yeah, he was, yeah, it was a while back, but uh, he was insisting that she should have gotten the Minicon package, which was an add-on package with one of the big toy packages, which would have required her to be there with somebody, which she wasn't. A man, of course. 
Yeah, I mean that was basically the disinterested wife package. <laughs> I mean, I mean the minicon package was really the like disinterested girlfriend slash wife package. It was like an extra fifty dollars or something. They don't get any of the toys, but they get to go to all the stuff with you because you're dragging them along. Uh, and yeah, he absolutely could not understand that she would be there for herself. And I think that that really says a lot about how they tended to view things. I mean, I always, I, and and again, you know, I, I was kind of the punk friend of, of the nerds. So I, I always had that very sort of mischievous rebellious streak. I mean, I, my handle is trickster. Uh, but I always kind of felt like with Fun Pups conventions, like I was pulling one over on them by being there. <laughs> I I never really felt like I belonged there. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was a space that I was claiming and not one that I had been invited to. It's interesting that you say that because uh, it's, it's, it's tricky. First of all, I would like to say that um, – even though uh, I am a man, spoilers, <laughs> I, uh, I'm a minority. I'm brown, yeah. a shade yeah. of brown. And that also makes me, like you, uh, I'm a minority at effectively any sci-fi convention. Yeah. And so it's not, it's not the same. We, we all have different experiences and unique experiences. But that same, I have a similar or had a similar back in the day kind of feeling uh, – at conventions, uh, at least initially, uh, even though I'm, you know, honestly, I'm culturally white, uh, for for lack of a better term, but yeah. outwardly I'm not, and uh, and I stick out uh, like a sore thumb, just like a woman back in the day at conventions. So my experiences at conventions, while not the same, uh, on some levels are similar to maybe what you experienced and other women experienced and, and what other minorities experienced. And the, the, the tricky thing is I totally agree that there should be diversity in the leadership of conventions um, because uh, it's really hard and, and sometimes there's not an answer, but it's really hard to come up with an answer that isn't uh, girls' night out or um, brown people unite for like, and you know what I mean? Like on the agenda, like, uh, hey, it's the minority hour. Right. Uh, and, or, or, you know, or, hey, it's the, it's the girl uh, panel. And you can't be that, that heavy handed and, and just clumsy about it. But there is just inherently by having diversity on the leadership, you're going to get some nuanced um, opinions and hopefully some, some nuanced events kind of worked in that shows some, some inclusion. So, so you're right. Just uh, by virtue of just not having the diversity in the leadership, that's, you get that same kind of um, sameness and it's just like, like you say, it's the man um, (laughs) kind of mentality. And, uh, and I think that that's definitely one of the things that I would like to see, like in the future, should this, uh, should the fan convention become more "quote unquote" corporate, or uh, or or have a more robust like kind of leadership committee? That that committee has to have it has to have diversity in in, in many ways. I mean, isn't that? I, I mean, that's something I think we can all agree 
is kind of on Hasbro's uh, shoulders as a responsibility. I mean, wouldn't you think at this point we, we have to have some kind of diversity in the uh, in the leadership of, of the fan community effort? Yeah, I think that there there have to be a wide range of voices. I don't, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the convention going forward. We don't really know what HasCon is going to be about or whether, I mean, it, it seems like presumably they're going to, if there is some sort of Transformers-specific convention going forward, they're going to have to run it from, you know, they might run it in-house. Uh, and yeah, I think that however they run it, whether they end up with a, a department of running conventions at Hasbro, uh, I think they, they do need to have diverse voices. And I think that, I mean, I certainly know as... You know, I've I've primarily been paying attention to the gender side of things because that's what what is most personal to me. Mm-hmm. And I know we we always have uh, women in marketing positions, for instance, who come to BotCon as part of the Hasbro group. Uh, so I know that they have. You know, they, they if you're a woman working at Hasbro, you don't have to work on My Little Pony. <laughs> yes. uh, and yeah, so I. I feel like they are open enough as a company to put and and knowing especially things about uh, how Hasbro felt about letting James Roberts introduce essentially gay marriage to Transformers mm-hmm. and and from everything he said, Hasbro was just one hundred percent on board with that. So I think that they are really aware of the importance of this now. Uh, and, you know, maybe part of it is because, like I said, in, in this day and age, those voices that are offended are able to speak a lot louder than they used to. Uh, I'm I'm not going to ever say that people used to not be offended. It's just that you couldn't hear them. Uh, I think they're a lot more, I mean, basically, in general, companies like them are a lot more aware that people online are going to call them out on mistakes. So I think they're a lot more aware that they need to have that diversity. Uh, So hopefully going forward, whoever, whatever corporate body they have running the convention will see the importance of that. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's actually a great place to stop. Probably chapter one of of this topic on the mini cast, because Trix, I know you, I'm sure you have some talking points still left in, in your in your in your bag in your little yeah. suitcase. I have so many opinions. If, uh, excellent. <laughs> so do I. And uh, and guys, if uh, if you have any uh, feedback or suggestions on, on where where Jen and I should take the topic next, or um, or if you would like to jump into the show either directly or indirectly, um, I would say tweet us. So you can find me uh, at that John D on Twitter. And Jen, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, I am on Twitter at uh, Trickster, which is spelled T-R-I-X-T-E-R, uh, like the old hair metal band. And I do occasionally get the the errant uh, mention for them showing up in my feed. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> like people asking, like, where are you playing in Toledo tonight? It's usually people, like, posting their own pictures from shows and stuff or posting, like, their finds from the used bookstore or whatever of, of CDs. So it's cute. Uh, but yes, I'm on Twitter 
constantly. So please come, come give me an excuse not to work. Fantastic. I second that notion. And yes. um, before I go, guys, you know what's coming. A commercial. So uh, if you want to help support the minicast and the other uh, podcasts that Brian Kilby handcrafts, uh, so to speak, at tfradio.net, go to tfradio.net and click the Amazon link and do your Amazon shopping. And when you check out, a few nickels and dimes go into Brian and Kilby's pocket. He will use them to keep the lights on, which is a good thing. So we, uh, we always appreciate you guys listening. Uh, send us, send Jen and I some feedback on the show. Um, it's a really good topic. It's a never-ending topic, and we've left a lot on the table um, intentionally so we can meet and talk again. Anyway, tweet us suggestions, feedback, comments, uh, comments, etc., etc. And uh, and uh, Jen, thank you for joining me on the minicast. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, next time. Music provided by bensound.com.